0: Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Protests have been ongoing across Iran for almost two weeks now. Some women have burned their hijabs, and dozens of people have been killed in clashes with police. It's the greatest challenge to the Islamic Republic that we've seen in years. Jasmine Ramsey is the deputy director of the Center for Human Rights in Iran, which is a nonprofit organization that documents human rights violations. Jasmine's based out of Washington. These protests in Iran all started after the death of a young woman in the country's capital. Masa Amini
1: was 22. Uh, She was called Jina. She was from the province of Kurdistan, and she was simply visiting Tehran with her family when she was arrested by the morality
0: police. The morality police are a branch of law enforcement who enforce the state's rules on modesty. She was allegedly
1: arrested for not wearing a proper hijab, but it's important to note that the Morality Police really operates with impunity and their arrests are completely arbitrary. She's arrested and put into a van. Her family is told that she's being taken for so-called re-education and that she would be released uh, not long after. But what happened is that just a few hours later, she's in the hospital, unconscious. And just a few days later,
0: she's dead. Police have said that Massa died of a heart attack. But Massa's family said she had no history of heart trouble, leading most to believe that she was killed while in custody. Protesters are furious at the injustice. Jasmine will help us understand what's been happening on the streets of Iran and where this all might be headed. This is The Decibel. Jasmine, thank you so much for speaking with me today.
1: Thank you, and thank you for covering this story.
0: So there have been protests across Iran uh, and in other countries, in- including here in Canada. We we saw protests in Calgary and, and also in Ottawa. Why has this incident sparked so much outrage? It really speaks to the
1: crisis of impunity that runs rampant in the Iranian government. You know, a woman can be arrested for her alleged improper hijab and die in state custody, and nothing is done to address the roots of this kind of violence. There's no space for people to air their demands and their grievances without being faced with a violent presence of state security forces on the streets. This death of Masa, it really became a rallying cry. Uh, so many people have been touched by the kind of repression that we saw lead to her death. And they're all coming into the streets and speaking out. I just wanted to ask you, what got you
0: into this work?
1: Um, I was reporting on Iran before I had the opportunity to join the Center for Human Rights in Iran. I am myself Iranian. Um, my mother was among the women who, um, organized one of the major protests against the compulsory hijab shortly after the revolution of 1979. Yeah. Um, so although I do live outside the country now, I very much, um, respect the people and am honestly just watching in awe the courage of them to stand up against this kind of violent repression
0: to demand um, freedom and basic rights. Hmm. And can you give us a sense, I guess, of of how widespread these protests are? How, How have they grown over this past weekend?
1: They've truly exploded across the country. They've hit major cities and small towns. It's important to note that women were front and center of these protests, and several women are among the, so far, 54 that have been killed since September 16th, and we're on day 10 as we're speaking now. Um, They are overwhelmingly dominated by young people, uh, university students, 16-year-olds, 18-year-olds, and some of whom, of course, have been shot dead, but they They also include other members of society, older people, working class, middle class. It's really touched every facet of the country. They are protesting by walking into the streets, calling for an end to the dictatorship, calling for women's rights, for human rights. Um, And the government has responded with state security forces, heavily armed forces all throughout the streets, all over the country. And there has been some clashes between the two groups.
0: And you say you said that over 50 people then have actually been been killed.
1: And I don't want to say that that number is the definitive number. Iran is under an internet blackout. Phone access is cut. And so the numbers of deaths that we're able to account for are really just the tip of the iceberg. It's important to remember that in 2017 and 2019, there were also mass protests. Initially, the numbers sort of trickle out. In years Mm -hmm. past, hundreds of protesters were killed. Thousands were arrested.
0: What have you been hearing from, from the ground, from, from protests within Iran, um, despite the difficulties of actually getting in touch, getting in contact with people there?
1: Yeah, so, the, so there are some means of some people to get info out, and then sometimes the internet goes in and then it goes out. Uh, people are sending us clips showing real violence on the street. Um, state security forces pulling women by their hair and pushing them into the ground very mm-hmm. forcefully. Um, it, armed state security forces aiming at crowds of people and shooting. Water mm-hmm. cannons, pellet guns. Uh, people are, are sending all sorts of forms of of um, clear abuse by these, force, uh, these
0: forces against the people. So this, it must take real courage to go out into the streets to know that's the kind of response that you could be facing.
1: Especially the women, because the compulsory hijab was introduced shortly after the revolution as a pillar of the revolution. And instead of allowing it to be a choice as it should be, the Iranian government has turned it into a tool of political repression. So when a woman walks out into the streets in Iran and removes her hijab or cuts her hair or does anything that the state doesn't like, she meets much more violence uh, from, from the state than someone else would.
0: Hmm. And that's why in a lot of these, these other protests, we, we do see women protesting by, by cutting their hair. Could, could you just, I guess, I- explain the significance of that, Jasmine?
1: yeah there's one clip that I can't help but remember as you say that at a funeral for an 18 year old uh, a boy that was killed while protesting um, his sister is crying over his grave and she starts to cut her hair and her hair is falling on his grave. <laughs> I think what she's saying there is, what did you have to die for, for my hair? And that's really, this is a resounding call against the compulsory hijab in Iran.
0: We'll be right back. Let's talk about the morality police, Jasmine. Uh, What exactly are the morality police?
1: Right. So they have nothing to do with morality and everything to do with repression. They're simply another extension of the security apparatus in the Islamic Republic that's used to pressure and keep people down and uh, to not allow freedom of expression uh, in this particular case, which is, of course, the way that people would dress.
0: They're the reason that, that Masa Amini was, was taken into custody in the first place. How, how prominent are they in Iranian life?
1: Um, They were established in 2006 under the president of Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. They're a unit of the police. Um, and they're everywhere. You can be walking down the street, minding your own business, and they'll show up out of nowhere and start uh, accusing you of not wearing the proper attire. And suddenly you find yourself being forced into a van and taken to a so-called uh, re-education center, booked at a police station, photographed. Um, and, and basically uh, they're, what they're trying to do is terrify people so that they that they don't do this again.
0: And do they only enforce women's behavior, or, or are men targeted as well? Certainly
1: men can be targeted. You can be targeted also for displaying public affection with someone who is not your family member. Um, really, it, it's, it's completely arbitrary. It's really based on whoever that specific person is, um, and they can take issue with anyone. But of course, overwhelmingly, it is women who are targeted.
0: And, and so what is it like for a woman living, living under this kind of authority?
1: Um, it, you, you have to live in constant fear, which is why the, there's so much courage being displayed right now by these women that are coming into the streets and taking off their hijab, cutting their hair, um, and calling for an end to the dictatorship
0: when we hear about things like the morality police then this 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 seems like this is a very hard line that's that's being taken against against citizens here uh, when it comes to women's rights and and, and political freedoms in particular in Iran uh, have have things I guess gone backwards is, is that the right way to put it I don't know
1: well I think what one thing that you're speaking to is the um the greater show of groups like the morality police that have come onto the streets since the president of Iran Abraham Abraham Raisi called on all government entities to more strictly enforce the hijab. So Abraham Raisi came into power in 2021. Basically, he was picked. Um, Iran has elections but they are not free nor fair Uh, he is really um, a representative of the old guard Um, he's accused of mass atrocities against people he's accused of being on this inquisition like committee in the 1980s that uh, sent prisoners who had already been tried and prosecuted to their deaths based on answers that they gave to a panel of Islamic um, judges Mm -hmm. Uh, so this guy has a really, really dark history of repression behind him. Um, and despite that, he was made judiciary chief. So that's what he was before the presidency. And now he here he is. And he's really been sent to take Iran back to the times of the 1980s, when repression was more rife than it is now, and where the state had much more ability to keep people down, they treated women as second-class citizens. Suddenly, women who were judges were no longer allowed to be judges, um, and in both law and practice, women are are treated as not equal to men. Um, and so, again, this is the just the anger that you're seeing on the streets is a, a clear response to that.
0: It makes me think it's it's we somehow always end up fighting these things along along the rights of women's bodies. I think about the the abortion um, question in the states as well. It always seems to be this is kind of a flashpoint or the the thing that we end up talking about um, when it comes to broader freedoms. This is this is the thing that's restricted women women's bodies.
1: Yes, I mean, exactly. They've, women's bodies have been a battleground, um, since the inception of the Islamic Republic. Um, and there's so many actions that the states takes to keep them in uh, isolated positions in society, to keep them in the home, to keep them as just childbearers. bearers. Um, of course, on the other side, uh, w- women in Iran are among the most educated in the Middle East. It's simply that they have to operate in a country where there are no legal protections for them against, for violence against women, and where there's institutionalized repression of women from all factors of the government. Yeah.
0: I wonder about the response from the international community to everything here, and, and especially in regards to negotiations around the Iran nuclear deal, uh, which which is, of course, that would be the, the lifting of international sanctions on Iran in exchange for restrictions on the country's nuclear program. Uh, these negotiations are currently underway to, to, to reinstate this deal between Iran and, and the United Nations Security Council. Are these negotiations under any kind of threat, do you think, Because of the situation,
1: Certainly not. Um, For years and years, the international community has treated Iran as just a nuclear file, which has been to the preference of the Iranian government. Um, And what we're calling for at the center is not just for uh, peaceful means of conflict resolution over the nuclear deal, but of course, for Iran to be called out, for the officials to be called out on the repression that's happening there, for them to release political prisoners, to allow uh, the UN Special rapporteur into the country uh, to allow people to express freedom of speech without the threat of state violence. Hmm.
0: And, and, and we've heard that the U.S. was putting sanctions on the morality police. And, and actually on Monday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau also announced uh, new sanctions on Iran, uh, including on the morality police as well. So what effect do do these sanctions actually have?
1: Um, So these are means of putting a target on on these groups. Certainly human rights um, sanctions should be kept on officials, target the officials who are directly implicated in these cases. Um, But beyond sanctions, what really needs to happen right now is the UN Human Rights Council should establish an independent and international commission of inquiry uh, to investigate the deaths of protesters in Iran and establish whether other mass and gross human rights violations have been committed there. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Since since 2016, there have been large demonstrations in the country for for a whole wide range of, of reasons. So this, you know, the state of the economy, rising fuel prices, water shortages. I, I guess I'm wondering is is there a sense on the street that that change will come from from these protests that are happening today? It's very difficult to predict
1: where this protest movement will go. That really depends on the extent of lethal force that the government uses to repress them. But certainly there's a sense of hopefulness in the chance that you're hearing, especially by young people in Iran who are risking their lives to to demand social and political change.
0: I guess I, I wonder what's uh, what you'll be watching for next. Uh, this, this young woman, Masa Amini, her, her, her name is a, her name is now a household name around around the world. People recognize her name. W- where do you think the, this movement is is headed next, Jasmine?
1: Um, it, it's it's an evolution of a movement and where it's headed next. It really depends on the protesters and the people of Iran, uh, what their demands are and whether the government would heed them. But keeping that pressure on Iranian officials to, to stop uh, violently repressing protests and to allow protests to call for the freedom of political prisoners, which are stationed all around the country, that's extremely important. And to, of course, amplify the demands of the. Iranian people on the streets to not just report on Iran as a a nuclear issue. Hmm.
0: Jasmine, thank you so much for taking the time to to walk through this today. Thank you. And before we go, an update on pandemic public health restrictions. The Canadian government announced on Monday that it's lifting all border restrictions related to COVID-19 as of October 1st. This includes vaccine requirements and mandatory masks on planes and trains, though masks are still recommended. This made us wonder, what are your questions about COVID-19 now? Send them to us at thedecibel at theglobeandmail.com, and we'll do our best to get them answered. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pacenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.